All right, gentlemen, first things first, how are you? Doing well. Good. Yeah, doing yeah. well. Nice to be here in the Netherlands. Well, very uh, glad to have you. So, what I want to start with is we talked uh, to you guys on the previous record. Um, and one of the things that was discussed was, was the level of touring and, and then kind of the exhaustion that came with it and, and the lack of communication and those kind of things. Now with this new album, how do you look back at that whole process of, of Cleopatra? And I think I thought album two, uh, I felt like we, we felt like it was our best work at the time of what we had ever done together. And then the immediate feedback loop isn't always caught up with the work. So it's almost like this tour has been eye-opening for me as far as how many people really cared about that album. It took about a year or an album's worth of time because now those feel like classic songs in the set. And during that tour, when we were introducing all this new music to fans, it was very much like they didn't quite understand what to make of it because half the set was brand new. So it, for me, it's, it's been a real joy to come back and play songs off Cleopatra and now this album three. It feels a lot easier to tour now that we have yeah. a little more of a bed of music that people kind of have a relationship with. And then when we play something new, it's everybody's enjoying it and it's not like a chore. So um, I feel like this has been the most fun I've had on tour like, okay. ever um, because I feel like the, the crowds and I, there's a great exchange going on on the stage and you know, in the crowd. Yeah, I think something that we did that was really wise, when the second album, Cleopatra, it came out in April a few mm. years ago, a couple years ago, and the next day I think we had a show in Europe. So like Wes was saying, people were literally, they don't know what to make of the new music, and this time we released about half the album, we released six songs months in advance prior to the mm. first show, which was a couple of weeks ago in Lisbon, Portugal, and it feels like we're telling stories that people are now getting immediately, and as the tour continues, it will, I think, only get better, but right. it's been more, I think, gratifying and rewarding this time around. The lead up to a show like that in Lisbon, what, what is that like? Is that nerve-wracking? It would normally be nerve-wracking, but we played, we played for like six months before that. We played probably 50 shows, mm. if you included the secret shows we played, and we did a ton of rehearsing. Again, a big change from album two and certainly album one, where um, we went on tour with, with U2 and they were talking about how they typically rehearse for six weeks for their shows and they only had two weeks and how that was, they felt so underprepared. And we would take maybe 10 days maximum. And so this time around, I think we, I remembered that and thought, well, if they can, if they're, they're that good of a band and they still take that so seriously and want the show to go well from, from the first note of the first show, not by the end it's good. Mm. Um, you need to really prepare. So I think that helped a lot. Um, the Lisbon show was, it just felt like it was one of the easier shows to play because the music had been out for a little while. Mm. Whereas the beginning shows where you're playing something no one has ever heard unless they've hacked into your computer. Um, this is way, way more enjoyable, I think, uh, again, because they have a relationship with the music. So a lot of it is just getting people primed on mm. what you're doing just a little bit before. We've also talked about movies, like films and jokes tend to be more, it's a better experience if you've never heard or seen it before. Right. Music's better if you've like beat it into the ground. So uh, 
yeah, we have a strange craft in that regard that it's, we actually need yeah. people to hear it probably a lot, and then the show will actually be better. So. That's, that's an interesting uh, idea because, because yeah, you do need that familiar familiarity. And then there are, yeah. of course, those people who watch Trainspotting a hundred times. But then <laughs> That is true. But I feel like music has this, uh, it's off and on when something else is happening. Mm. So it becomes interwoven with all these memories. It's almost like a smell right. where it brings yeah. those memories back or it brings a time period back sure. that is really vivid. So, you know, in a way, um, we're up there and you're, you're thinking everything you're doing matters so much, but people are almost ha playing these <laughs> movies inside their head as they're listening sometimes. Um, and you probably have less to do as a performer than you think you do because, because of that thing with music and how it's tied in with memory. And it, but can I assume that it is the same for you? When you for instance, when you listen to uh, the album or play certain songs live now, that do, you, do you go to those little snippets of time where, where that, that, that song is about or when that song was written? Or? Yeah, I think right now it's, it's still... Um, it's still f more fresh in my mind and more raw, so um, something like Leader of the Landslide or Gloria, those are songs that kind of are sibling songs. They, they're singing about something very similar to me. And um, So when we play it, uh, the emotions I'm feeling and then I think bringing out in the performance are, are drawing from something that's still very fresh. In five years, I'd be interested to answer the same question because right. some of the songs we we used to play that I would be thinking about stuff as I was singing. Now it's a different, it, it almost morphs and changes okay. into, a new, into a new meaning, almost like it wasn't even our song anymore. It's like just out there in the ether and you're covering it. You, know? you kind of have to let it go. Yeah, you don't really actually get to decide what it means for everybody, sure. almost like a painting on the wall. Like you can have a backstory to what inspired it, but the painting itself, it's, it's everyone else's to decide. Um, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I've even heard songwriters be, get more excited sometimes about hearing what yeah. someone felt when they heard something yeah. or the memories it drew out of them. So um, I think it's it's one of the I think it's good that way. It would be bad if there was a you know A B C D were the <laughs> options and if you got B right you knew the song. Well, I find that a very interesting thought because it's not like there's a right or wrong, I suppose, with music. At least there isn't right. to me. That you're just listening. Whatever you're hearing, that's what you're hearing. But, uh, and there's children. Like at our shows, there's, there's very young people and then there's older people and kind of everything in between. And I think I get an enjoyment out of seeing that. Mm -hmm. It feels like it's transcending generations. It's not just appealing to a 15-year-old or or just appealing to a 60-year-old, it's, it's somehow speaking to them, but probably in different ways, right. you know, depending on where they're at in life. But also, because you mentioned the relationship that people were able to build with now this record three, but, and this might be just, just the way I see it, but is that, might that also be a tribute to the fact that it is, it is like a concept and there is a big narrative going through it and people will be able to see certain family members of them in, in, in those characters? Well, we, I, I mean, I kind of thought that we got so specific with it and we would talk about this in the studio, but getting so specific with it and talking about a subject matter for almost an entire album, there are some breaks from that, Sure, but it stays on it stays on topic basically the whole time. Sure. Um, I thought that might exhaust somebody and get tiresome or not make for a good concept or a good album. But I think 
people, again, it's, you ever hear of like a Rorschach test? It's sure. like this blobs that you kind of, you bring something to that image and you tell the psychologist what, what that makes you feel or the, you know, the therapist. And I think with this, it does feel like really specific, but I'm always surprised when someone can see a, even a character in a music video and go, well, I know that's to you, that's Gloria, but to me, that's someone named Susan and she did this or some guy named Bill and he did, and I did that with songs growing up too, where I would literally interpret the name of the person he's, he or she was singing about, but I could totally reapply it to my own life and, and put a new person in place of that, as if there were a placeholder. Right. So um, I think there was hesitancy just because it was like, well, maybe people are going to hate this um, because it feels repetitive maybe to someone else. But um, I'm glad we did it the way we did it because it, it's brought out a lot of um, really more so than any other album we've made. It's brought out, or even songs we've made, it's brought out way more f emotions from fans when we meet them and my, some of my close friends and um, even me and Jer have had conversations that we've never really broached topics before okay. that closely. And so I think, I think just opening it up a little bit has opened up other people. And again, I think that it's a bit of a taboo in America, at least, to talk about this stuff openly. It was like, I grew up, my dad was a therapist. Okay. No one talked about going to therapy until very recently. So right. what he did for a living was like a secret. If he saw a client out and they were at a restaurant, he would never say hello to them because that could give away that they go to therapy and you could right. be considered crazy. But now, so many of my peers, we all have used therapy as a tool and talk about it. And I think with addiction, I, could, I would hope it could see a similar trend where all of us are going about our lives individually and not talking about some pain of a family member or someone we're close with or even ourselves. If you just talk about it just a little bit more with each generation, I think it, it takes the taboo away and then it becomes less stigmatized. So we're not trying to do that, but I think simply by describing it, I've seen people open up more, which gives me hope that it's getting less stigmatized that's why I draw the analogy to therapy, because now you meet people and like, yeah, I go to therapy. Like, it's not a big deal. It's like the healthy thing to do. In yeah. yeah, yeah. When, when these first songs started kind of rolling out, you mentioned being hesitant whether people were, were, would be able to pay attention for us. Were you hesitant in terms of the subject matter because it's, it is taboo? Did, did, you, did you kind of have a bad meeting or the, between the two of you? I think we had talked. I think we had finished the song Gloria, okay. which is arguably the, the most on-the-nose song about sure. addiction, specifically problems with alcohol and how it affects the family. And then uh, we may have worked on Leader of the Landslide as well. Um, and Donna. I think, Donna. yeah, when we worked on a song called Donna, the first song, um, I just remember kind of like, I was in the bathroom and I said, yo, Wes, can we like take a walk? And um, I think it was merely like, it brought up a lot of dormant feelings for me. I had an older brother that passed away of a, a drug overdose. And I think I was simultaneously like reliving some of that grief and then also like possibly, in my, I don't know like if I if it was this clear and simple, but maybe just worried that, this would maybe turn off people, or if I'm feeling like hesitant, that's sometimes a good gauge. But I think, obviously, we released it, and sure. I'm really happy with what we did. I think it was a, I think it was a source of strength the way we did it. I think it was a source of um, not doing the easy, obvious thing. I think 
for me personally, my biggest critique can be often of songwriters that they're not really talking about anything or saying anything. Mm. And I think for Wes to go there, you know, so much in a way, I think that was actually brave. And I think I was really proud of that, that we did that um, and made sure that the music kind of reflected the, the darker subject matter. So I think the hesitancy was healthy, but we talked through it. We went for a walk and mm. I think it was just, it was good though. I think we, it was the fact that it was like stirring us up and we're the ones making this stuff together. That's good, you know, you're feeling something. Music is not always supposed to be rainbows and sunshine and like right. high fives and, you know, we had just each had uh, baby boys respectively okay. and uh, that was great, but it's like talking about this other stuff was really, I thought, um, like a courageous thing to do and I think it, it affected both of our families. So I feel, I've always felt very strongly to the, to the lyrics because I do what Wes was saying, I take something he writes and I, you know, make it sure. up in my head. But um, with this one, it hit probably the most home with, what I had seen in my family, so. And then with, with all that background of information, in a sense, um, and then Gloria is a great example is, uh, of this, how do you kind of use the music then? Because if, if you just go on the basis of the music on Gloria, it's, it's not a sad Happy song. sound. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gloria was fun for that reason. It was kind of like, keep it peppy. Not like necessarily let's try to do that, but it was, it was a good challenge because the, mm. the lyrics were so that and uh, the music was very, it was a, one of our fastest songs we've ever written, really fast drums, exciting, kind of happy piano for lack of a better word. So Like frantic almost. Yeah, that was a good challenge, it, I don't know. There's like a fine line between manic and happy. <laughs> yeah. sure. And it feels like it walks that line. But I think that was part of, I mean, I always loved well, there's a lot of lyricists growing up that I loved and admired. And, um, but if you take someone like Kurt Cobain, he wrote these kind of, um, these lyrics that you wouldn't necessarily sit down and write, you would more sing. Mm. And they were just the perfect words for the, the moment. It was true poetry. Um, but it was often pretty dark, but it was colored by what I felt was this really catchy and beautiful melodic writing and these chord progressions that were just iconic. So I think he complemented this sadness and this darkness with this beauty. And I think that was the, whenever you write something that is lyrically darker, I think it helps to complement it with something that fools you. Like, like a child could hear it and go right along with it, not realizing the depth or the darkness in it. I actually think that's, that was an ambition of the song, and that's what I really like about a lot of music, is that if I show my two-year-old, near two-year-old son, a song that I find really great, it could also be really sad, but he just loves the melody. Mm. So I think being raised on songs like that through my dad, and my mom and dad, um, were, were influencing that. There had to be this complementary feature. It's, it's like cooking, you know, how you have these flavors, and if you have too much of one, it's, there's not a balance there. I feel like that's with songwriting. If it was all just dark sounding, and that's, a, that's something to go for too. But for us, I think we wanted to almost fool people of all ages, you know, into getting into this subject matter that they might not actually want to tread into and be like, oh, well, now you're here. Now you're in the middle of the lake. We've got to swim together. Right. It's, uh, you just kind of lure them in, you know. I can imagine, and, and for both of you, but... Was this was this uh, process uh, cathartic in a way? What, did it did it kind of help um, get your own mind uh, wrapped around these very difficult topics, or is it still very much? I don't know. It feels it feels very mixed. I think I think I think it. 
I think I felt like to go into this and preach or to say something that someone should be doing mm -hmm. would be the biggest pitfall. The biggest mistake you can make is to come in and tell people what, how to live or what to do. Right. And so I thought um, to describe it, to be, we always talk about being descriptive versus being pre prescriptive. So um, we're not diagnosing something in a way of like, here's the medicine, but we're more saying, this is an experience I had. I think that's the most honest way to address this subject. And in that way, it felt good to describe it and get that off my chest and I think our collective chests um, to say things that maybe paint a more true picture of addiction and not just a moment, but you know, a fuller feeling because there's so much love in a family with addiction and that's what I think a lot of people miss. They just talk about um, maybe a painful moment where the person is hurting themselves, but they're not talking about the reason why that hurts which is the love that keeps a family together. Um, so it's a super dense subject matter, but when sure. we sing it, I feel a lot of, I feel a lot of catharsis um, each night, and I hope that continues. But um, it doesn't feel like, you, just like dealing with an addict in a family, I don't know if there's like a resolution or like, okay, now we've solved the Rubik's Cube of this. It just kind of feels like I'm less alone mm. in and feeling this way and that that could be healing in and of itself is there's a community around this that doesn't have to feel quite as isolated because they can say to each other hey I'm going through this when it wasn't really spoken about before so yeah. I don't know it's a mixed bag fair enough mm -hmm. um, what is the we, you mentioned the response early on a, a little bit but Have you noticed a, a, a difference in response to this record than, than to previous work? Yeah, I think one thing I've noticed is people sometimes say, wow, it's so cool you guys are like talking about stuff and have stories on this mm. album. <laughs> kind of like, well, like, the first two albums had a lot of stories. Uh, you know, Wes talks about his uncle dying in Vietnam sure. on album one with Charlie Boy and album two, was, you know, his father passed away from cancer and a song called Long Way From Home. So what I hope My biggest hope and my biggest optimism is that people get that this is happening now in this album and they retroly go back. Now, I'm not saying people have not noticed that. Obviously, people have definitely mm -hmm. noticed that. But um, I think that's something really cool that people can see this body of work and then retroly go back and like look at the first two bodies of work um, in a different way. Because when you just have one album, I think people assume, well, that's just their first album. They didn't really know what they were doing. And I think what I'm getting a kick out of is people will realize The first album was recorded and felt away based on like intentional reasons and I think with the second album too and I love how each album feels different and sounds different. They're like very, like mm. they're each own country with their own currency and own language or something. And um, we've also had interviewers, people like before or after the microphones are turned off say they're addicts or they're, they've been sober five, 10, 20 years. Mm. And like Wes was saying before, I think that's really cool that People come out of their shells and saying, "Hey, I, you know, I know somebody—my brother, my mother, or myself—have uh, gone through that." And I think that's kind of like the most amazing thing about music. It's not, you know, the statistics or how well you do and mm. charts and stuff. It's really connecting with other people. And well, that's an interesting point because you, as as a band, you had pretty much uh, as much as success as you can have with the first record, and then uh, yeah. so. Having experienced that, do you look differently at, at kind of what the music industry is and what you yourselves want out of music? 
Well, I, I tend to like make lists and try to figure things out and be organized um, in the chaos of everything. Mm -hmm. And I think it's been interesting. I mean, the first album, we had a, a hit song in Hohei, and then in the States, at least, there was a follow-up with that with Stubborn Love, which was mm -hmm. a big song for us, and it's live probably our, our biggest reaction of a song at, in a set. It's, so ha starting with those two as the anchors to a record, the, there was a, it's like you started a, on a step, if it was a staircase, and then when you start album two, all that momentum is gone because you're starting over again, and um, maybe radio doesn't play you the same way or the same amount, or they don't play you at all, and then you maybe take a step down or two. And so it's interesting to, to really regain an appreciation for what that was and what happened, that, that opportunity, and not like resent it. But we're, we're almost, it's funny, we're almost fighting overseas to get back to where we were on album one as far as size of rooms we're playing or amount of people we're reaching with this. Um, and so I think it was a humbling experience. It was like, yeah, you got this big break, but you see the positives and negatives of all that. And then you try to make sense of it. I think the positive for us, the thing I get the biggest kick out of is that it feels like what we're doing now is not that's not being force-fed to people. They have to go find it, their friends have to show it to them, they have to, in, in different ways, it's not being put on them like a radio station will just play a song over and over. And that, those fans that show up now, it feels a little more long-lasting. Long they, know, they know every song, they're singing every word to every song, and I think that feels like, I think we could have, I think we can come back here again and a similar amount of people would come. Whereas the first album, they might have been just showing up because it was a popular thing at the time. Mm. We would say that word zeitgeist. It was like the zeitgeist right. was that style of music. Sure. And then once that was over, I think a lot of people in the industry assumed we were over. And we thought about it like, well, we're just songwriters. We're not Americana or folk or whatever you think we are. We're writing songs together, two guys just sitting in a room. And we know how to do that. So I think we're going to be all right. And so it's kind of, it's a, we're always that... We're always thinking about the long game of it all. It's not about the immediate 2019, what's going to happen. It's like, how will this feel in 2020, 2030 to play for people, 2040? You know, we want to want to be proud of these songs and want to play them for a long time. So I think it was, I think we've just seen a lot that I didn't know going into album two. And now album three just feels like much more of a gratitude feeling. Mm -hmm. of like, oh, we kind of clawed our way back, but by a different means now. Right. Radio's not like pummeling people with a song of ours. They're just kind of finding it in this slow way that's, I love, I really think it's great. But they're finding you based on your merits instead of... of uh, instead of a commercial help, I guess you right. could say, yeah. A final question then, because and then <laughs> this is going to be quite a broad, vague <laughs> question. Um, but as songwriters, and then I suppose this changes uh, maybe from day to day even, but what makes a good song? Well, we spoke on it earlier. One of the things that I think makes makes a good song is that it can it can kind of cross age groups for me. Um, like I could play like Adele's "Hello" to like someone who doesn't speak English, to a two year old, to a ninety two year old, and everyone will understand that song because of the power of that song. And um, I think that's an example of if you're talking about pop songwriting which I think that word has a negative connotation, yeah, sure. but it, I think it 
for me, that's what we're often doing is writing pop songs, but with substance. You know, I think um, that makes a good song if, 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 if there's like this transcendence to it. And when you kind of excavate the song, there's more, to, there's more to find underneath the surface. Those are my favorite, you know, types of songs, even though they're, they can feel really catchy. There's this, um, mm. there's this depth to it. So, for you, or is yeah. it the same? No, that's good. Um, <laughs> great song. Always remember it, and you'll never forget it. And on those words, gentlemen, thank you very much for <laughs> yeah, your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks. <laughs>